Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. And with me today, um, someone who's written a fantastic book that I'm fascinated to find more, out more about, but also with some very interesting ideas and one of the grooviest ologies in the trade. I'm delighted to be talking today to Pamela Brinker. Hi, Pamela. Hello, Russell. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. Super. And uh, I can tell from your accent that you're from across the fair shores, from the from the far reaches of the colonies. Where are you today? <laughs> I'm in Colorado. Oh, right. Ah, okay. Colorado. Now that's the mountainous part, isn't it? With all the hills yeah. and snow. Oh, that's mm-hmm. lovely. Fantastic. But today it's already 70 degrees it'll get up to 80 or so so it's a lovely it place it sounds gorgeous i'm full of full of jealousy with my screen background of hawaii mm. <laughs> <laughs> well it's lovely to talk to you um well why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself sure i've been a psychotherapist for 31 years i'm a mother of two sons who are now in their 20s but the reason i wrote the book conscious bravery russell is because it wasn't available for me when I needed it about 11 years ago. 11 years ago, my my second husband died of a grade four glioblastoma brain cancer. Oh, wow, and in my grief, thank you, in my grief, I just didn't know what to do. So I turned to all these resources and tried to modify things I'd taught my clients myself. But I really had to come up with some different strategies, especially because within months, both of my then teenage sons turned to drugs and alcohol in their pain and suffering. And even though we were close, it was such a challenging time for them. They were turning to each other and they were turning to substances. You know, no one wants to become an addict. No one wants to have mental health challenges, right? No one wants to have physical challenges either. But within three years, three, four years, they were both addicted to amphetamines and then methamphetamines. And so I had to really decide to become what I like to say that I am now, which is a braveologist. (laughs) I had to, to tool and resource differently, use different techniques and really modify them, not just for grief, but also to deal with the tremendous mental health challenges both my sons were having and their Mm -hmm. new addictions. So, so let's pop into that first, if you don't mind, because mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a um, possibly a prevailing assumption that drug users are bad people who've come from the wrong side of the tracks, blah 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 blah. 
But people forget that often addiction can start from, for example, having an operation and getting addicted to painkillers, or as you say, from grief. And so there's there's a sort of uh, negative connotation when you talk about addiction, isn't there? Do you, do, I mean, what, what's your feeling about that? There most certainly is. And it, there's a stigma that we we really need to all break because none of us want to become addicted either, but most of us are addicted to something at least a little bit. Yeah. You know, if it's not chocolate, it might be shopping or something. And so we want to start having a view, at least I offer that my, my clients and the people I lead in groups, we want to start having a view of addiction that's on a continuum. And so even though I use the word addiction in my book a lot, I see it as substance use issues, behavioral issues. And I find that we all need compassion and understanding to, to realize that, right, no one wants to become dependent upon a substance to get the level of containment or happiness that they mm. seek or to deal with their pain. And that's really part of how addiction develops over time. You know, it's a combination of a lot of different things and there's no one size fits all, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it becomes a brain issue. It's a pleasure and a desire issue. Mm -hmm. Call it a disease, call it a disorder. But uh, the newest research is that it happens up here and the very parts of our brain that we want to use to help us override our dependency are the are the parts of the brain that are flawed, that, yes. that aren't working for us right. And so that's where for my own part and for our listeners, Russell, I would suggest that we walk alongside those we care about with deep compassion, mm -hmm. with tenderness and strength. So classically, um, my experience of working with addicts is probably not as substantial as yours, but uh, pretty pretty out there. And there seems to be an approach, the 12 steps, you know, which has obviously been um, adapted for eating or shopping, gambling, whatever it might be. And, and that seems to be the starting place. And it's actually quite hard to find other resources or solutions past that. And I'm guessing that was part of your search 11 years ago, was it? Mm -hmm, absolutely. And yes, 12-step works for some people. But again, and it's a wonderful resource because it's free and it it supports the collective, going to meetings, you meet other people and you find yeah. that connection and support that you long for. But certainly, at least in, in the US, thankfully, there are more and more programs that are what we would call mindfulness based, or what I like to call whole being based. Yeah. You know, there's there are strategies that support people getting into their bodies, not just their hearts and minds. And so I'm I'm an eclectic psychotherapist and I've done a lot of work with somatic inquiry and somatic awareness, somatic basically body work helping yeah. us to get into the places in our body where our pain is stored is is another answer to how do we resolve addiction how do we quit depending upon a substance so much and part of it is we bring compassion to ourselves yes. <laughs> we bring deep deep compassion to our whole beings because we are seeking something to help us with what our brains can't handle and what our bodies and hearts can't handle Yes, And so, yeah, there are lots of different kinds of programs, but thankfully over here, there's the craft program. More and more people are seeing that addiction is not one size fits all. 
it is a disease or a disorder that involves relapse. And a lot of people are seeing that medication supported recovery is really important. Really? Mm -hmm. Interesting. I think, I think that's interesting because um, I think there's a move away from medicine where we are. Um, mm. But actually, is that true? I just challenge himself on that because we seem to have a twin track, one which is the enlightened side, which is moving away to that most somatic approach you mentioned, and the other side, which is just the casual have these pills, which I always find odd with addicts. You know, the sort of redosing is, is quite peculiar. So, um, right. so... So you mentioned the body thing, and I think there's a there's it's quite a new movement idea, a new movement is this idea of linking the body to the mind, and, and we've always talked about mind, body, spirit, and such like. But I think we've we've had this pendulum away into the mind because of the advances of, in neuroscience and such like. But I think we've sort of lost the 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 body side, haven't we? The physiological aspects. I mean, the body is where, as you say, you wear the pain. For example, I work in pain management, and it's in the body. As, as as well as being in the mind, isn't it? And the, the answer to many of these mental health issues is in the body, even including trauma and such like. So so I like the way you want to move past mindfulness. So maybe could, could you unpack that a little bit more for us? Yes, and I love the way you said that, brilliant. Yes, I believe that mindfulness has served us really well, Russell, for years and years. And historically through meditation, we're supposed to become more mindfully aware by going inside. But truly, there's such a wealth of data and information available to us when we not only go inside our beings, but we go outside. And right. so I teach, I teach that we want to get beyond the mind, beyond mindfulness, and not conjure the mind immediately by saying, let's become more conscious, but truly say what we mean, which is let's become more consciously aware. Let's become aware of our awareness. And so I teach that we can go inside to six realms of our experience. I call these the six zones of experience. And so I, I encourage people to do a whole being scan. So we start by going into the body. What's happening in my body? And we just use one word, like maybe you work with pain. We might say, I'm feeling pain in my neck. We just notice that with no judgment, no story. And then we go to our hearts, what's happening emotionally, like I might be feeling a combination of hopeful and agitated at the same time. Yeah. So we use a word or two for that. And then we go to the mind, what's happening up here is my mind racing, next intuition. So the fourth is, is our intuition. What's our intuition telling us? Mm. Is it saying I can trust this data? Or is it saying, ah, I don't know, there's more, more information available to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then fifth, we go into the energy field surrounding us, or our environment. And that might be, for example, if I walk into a room, and there you are sitting with a bunch of other people, and you're whispering, and there's a lot of heightened emotion, I would tap into that energy, and yeah. know that I'm becoming a part of that. It's just data available to me. Or if I go outside in nature and the leaves are just twirling in the breeze, I might suddenly feel more calm. So I want to pay attention to what's yeah. happening in that energy surrounding me. And lastly, sixth, we want to go deep inside to the deepest part of our core self, our core being. I like to call it the, our essence. I prefer the elegant word essence because it's less laden with religiosity than soul and other no, things. So those six realms we tap into body, heart, mind, intuition, energy, and our essence. And it can happen. We can do this in 30 to 60 seconds and gain a wealth of data and information. And so, for example, 
in, for my part, I walk alongside two 20 something young men who struggle with ADD and other mental health challenges yeah. and with substance use issues. And our listeners may have that same concern. How do I realign? How do I be an oasis? How do I balance so that I can be there for my loved ones, the people I care about? And, and that's we fascinating, start with isn't it? Ourselves. Yes. And we often under undercook the the self-care piece of working with adults don't we because it is very um it is very draining because you're giving of yourself from a certain and i mean you'll have learned the whole boundary perspective thing in psychotherapy but um i don't think people understand that enough do they they don't understand why they're burned out at work because that's part of this you know you're working in a toxic culture and a, or a poor workplace or something so i love that and i love the idea of essence i think that's absolutely great i think it's yes. a really neat solution to the soul problem Absolutely. This world is such a tough place, <laughs> but especially in my in the latter part of my book, I talk about how important it is to guard and protect our happiness so that we can be vibrant beings who aren't defined by our situations, our circumstances, or by other people. And that's what most of us do when we're feeling disrupted or agitated. We look at the other person's face. We tune into that first and we say, oh my gosh, what's going on with them? Or we tap into the situation and it might be a crisis and we start vibing with, oh my gosh, what should I do? But it's so important to do this whole being scan first and pause. And as you said, it's a key foundation of self-care to tap into our own beings. We have this wealth of data that can help us then decide in a minute, what will I do? what opportunities or options are available to me. And we think more clearly and mm. we're more calm, which is what we think we want when we say we want mindfulness, but really what we truly want is to be able to be aware and to make choices that are brave. Yes, yes, that's interesting. So are you saying that this has a use for the addict themselves? Or are you talking about people who are supporting the addict? Both, absolutely both. I began as someone who walks alongside those who struggle with addiction. And I've worked with, you know, hundreds, thousands of parents and, and, and colleagues, people who have uh, employees in that situation. But a lot of um, those who have substance use issues have contacted me, have DM'd me and have said, these tools and practices that you teach in Conscious Bravery are so helpful to me. And you'll see on the website or on the uh, Amazon site, a couple of people wrote reviews that one, one said, I used to be a heroin addict, but these are the principles, the concepts that I apply that work. And my yes. mom uses them as well, she wrote. So. so so, part of it is the, I guess you're integrating the body with the mind. Mm -hmm. So that helps the mind make better choices, allows for pattern disruption, allows for those sorts of things to, to happen. Because you're not the other things aren't distracting you. You're sort of you're sort of harnessing the whole self. Is that is that the idea? Yes. Yes, that's really well put. And so let's think of a situation. You know, maybe you get a phone call and you hear that your young adult daughter has tried to take her own life and is in the hospital. And that may be true for many of our listeners. They've mm -hmm. they've struggled with someone they care about who who is in the hospital for a panic attack or um, an overdose, or even if it's a, a caregiver of someone who has Alzheimer's and they've had a, a, ter a terrible day and you, they get a call from the person at their assisted living. 
So what do we immediately do? Most of us activate emotionally or in our bodies or both, or our minds start racing. What will I do? Oh my gosh, how do I solve this? What do I do right now? You know, and we're just scrambling, but we want to be able to ground ourselves. We're all talking about how to get grounded, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and how to reset and rebalance. And so this is just one tool that we can use to tune into our bodies and calm that sympathetic nervous system breathe in consciously because i believe that we want to do not just three deep breaths but we want to take several conscious breaths where we're tuned into what data is jumping out of us from our six zones and then continue to breathe as we proceed forward is this a situation where i want to listen is this a situation where i want to pause longer or is this a situation that needs my immediate jumping in to save the day Yes. And I think that's interesting, isn't it? Because um there is there is a there is a a critique uh, there's a criticism actually of some of these um awareness approaches. Uh, and, and I've met people who've sat on the tops of mountains and meditated and have heightened self-awareness and such like, but they have no practical ability to implement anything to make the change happen. And I think what you're saying here is the critical thing. It's about what comes next. We're having awareness, not for the sake of awareness. We're having awareness for the sake of taking aware and meaningful, purposeful action. You and got making it. those oh. choices is the point, isn't it? Yes, yeah, synchronicity. I was just thinking of the word action, or yeah. maybe it was in my heart. That's yeah. where we don't really know. But we don't, we can't just intend to live joyful yeah. lives. Yeah. We can't just hope, you know, and, and affirm those kinds yeah. of things. Really, the, the data is that affirmations take about 2000 repetitions to really take hold. Yeah. But if we get into our bodies and do another thing that I call mantras while moving and say, okay, it's all right. I'm right here. Now there's this. And we, and I put my arms, my hands around my arms quite often, or I'll put my hand on my heart, or I'll encourage my clients to put your, put pans on your legs because that helps you connect to your body yeah. and calm that sympathetic nervous system that's saying fight or flee or curl up in a ball and feign death. We've got to help our vagus nerve calm down so that we can make a better choice from yes. our, our prefrontal cortex. Number one tip is humming, of course, because that really does yes. immediately actually has calm the vagus nerve. It's quite odd. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot of um, fakery around the vagus nerve and and sort of very strange ideas. But the, and I think I think there's not there's not been huge amounts of science, but there's been quite a lot of anecdotal evidence that it's it's worth focusing on. I mean, certainly the idea of the cold showers and baths it's had dramatic effects on people. Not not me, obviously, because there's no <laughs> way I'm going near a cold shower. <laughs> but I know it works for everybody else. I think it's one yes. of one of those ones I'm going to not necessarily practice what I preach. Um, so you've written a book and um, you've got a very quirky with language, which I absolutely adore already. And mm. it's called Conscious Bravery, I think. Is that right? Yes. And, and I, so I'm what's so in it? I'm sorry? And what's in it? Right. Well, what's in Conscious Bravery? Consciousness to me is being vibrantly alive and awake, no matter what our situation, even if we're feeling panic, we're able to contain the disruption. But, but of course, if we're conscious, we're consciously aware of our vibrancy as well. And we can lay that foundation of contentment in our lives. But being consciously brave basically means being able to know what's needed in any given moment and then do it. 
And how do we know? We can use the whole being scan. We can use mantras while moving. We can say, hey, now there's this, which is a basically an old mindfulness technique. Like, okay, now this moment, there's this. Yeah. Without judging it, this situation has arrived. Yeah. But when we have the capacity to befriend all of our feelings and not judge ourselves, if we're feeling guilt or shame or trepidation with some harrowing experience, we can come into our whole being and say, I can do this. I must do this. And most of us have had times where we've said, and I'm sure you've had this too, Russell, I can't do this. But how do we override that? We need these kinds of actionable tools, yeah. you know, to be able to, to know who we truly are, for example. So that's part of conscious bravery. I know I'm not my situation. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not defined by my loved ones or my clients or my colleagues or my relatives. I'm defined by my essence, which is never changing. And so conscious bravery is innate. We're born with the capacity for it, just like love. But we have to cultivate it. And that's why I say, let's become bravologists. Let's learn what tools work for you because it isn't a one size fits all. <laughs> you know, your form yeah. of conscious bravery may look slightly different from mine. And it may look very different from my neighbors. But we can all use basic tools to develop it and cultivate it. And it has to be practiced because we're not just going to kick in and suddenly become brave <laughs> in some crisis unless we practice during the calmer times okay so i'm just intrigued for a second so can you unpack for me what you mean by brave mm -hmm, absolutely so i like to say that bravery isn't always tough as nails it can be but it can look like softness yeah. and it can sound like stillness and i use that definition russell because bravery looks a lot of different ways it can look like driving at 2.30 a.m. to a hospital where your son has been contained mm. because he got kicked out of a sober home. And I don't even like that word kicked out, but that's still the language yeah. that's used sometimes. He got yeah. discharged. And sometimes and it can look like that. Yeah. Yes. Driving immediately to help someone that we care about. Or it can mean pausing and saying, would it be best for myself and the person I care about if I let this play out a little bit? If I let them learn from their decision, incur a little bit of the circumstance themselves yeah. before I start walking alongside them. So I don't believe in tough love because it doesn't work, but I believe in loving boundaries. And so bravery can look like that. It can look like saying what we need, what we will do. So I'll have my sons over for dinner, no matter if they're high or not, because I believe in love and I believe in giving them food and sharing time together yeah. and not always getting on my soapbox about this or that other thing. I want to have a true, beautiful, authentic connection with them. And I, I do the same for my clients. I don't judge them and kick them out if they show up, you know, in, in on some substance or distraught. It's, it's a challenge, that one, at a professional level. So let's let's save that for the professional track, okay, as it were, sure. because not everyone listens <laughs> to a psychotherapist. Um, that's a fascinating question. I must admit, I've always struggled with, I mean, again, I have addicts and they pitch up and they're having a lovely time and they're high as kites and such like. And But that's no reason, I agree with you, there's no reason not to, there's no reason to kick them out because they've turned up, haven't they? Showing up is a is a form of bravery in a sense, isn't it? Even if it's a, even if it's unconscious bravery. Yes, beautiful. Bravery encompasses so many things, and 
your show provides so much value to your listeners and to all of us because you talk about resiliency, but how do we get to resiliency? Exactly. I believe we practice in the calm moments what bravery might look like. We envision and we embody it. We practice it when it's easier so that we have the capacity to be braver during challenges, develop adaptability, face change, <laughs> embrace the unknown, and then we can be brave during a crisis. And it might look any number of different ways. Yes. Okay. Fascinating. Um, so <laughs> you've talked about the fact that you want to be practical, so that I, and you've also talked about lots of tips and tricks and strategies and things. So uh, I see from the a, the jacket, it's twenty tips, twenty tips and hints and such like. Is that right? Oh, over twenty tools and practices. So this is this is a book which is for people who want to help themselves by giving them something they can use rather than just a theoretical um, tome. I suppose. Absolutely. And in, in the back of each chapter, there's a bravery key so that readers can become a braveologist. Or if you listen to my book on Audible, you'll hear, hear me read the bravery key. So for example, in the chapter on whole being awareness beyond mindfulness, the bravery key is choosing to consciously create whole being awareness with full clarity and understanding. You will be able to broaden your repertoire of response choices, rousing the bravery you need. Yeah. So that yes, the, the bravery keys are actionable. Every chapter is practical and has tips and their stories. I tell some of my own vulnerable stories because I've walked in the trenches and I want to walk alongside you and our listeners. Yeah. And I want you to know that I've been there. Fascinating. And so we could obviously we can buy the book at Amazon, such like Conscious Bravery by Pamela Brinker. Uh, can we ever can we find out more about you? Where can we look, Pamela? You can find me on my website, which is PamelaBrinker.com, and my YouTube channel, which is also YouTube Pamela Brinker channel. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, I mean, it's as easy as that, isn't it? You're not bothering with the rest of the social media. I think, I think that's, a, that's a good idea. So much time wasted on social media, isn't there? Mm -hmm. So it's uh, good. Well, good to have so much to look. I'm on LinkedIn, but I, I just love some of the people there professionally, but I don't spend a lot of time on social media. It is a time time drainer <laughs> yes <Time> drain. <laughs> yes yes uh, yes that's the that's the polite way i think to describe it mm -hmm. so brilliant i love it and you've already got one sale because i've already bought it so there you go and i'm looking Aww. forward to reading that later this week and mm, um and i like that idea because i work in the corporate world as well as the uh business uh, as well as the private world so i think it got so many applications in the business world as well so uh i'm gonna see if i can put something into effect this week Wonderful. That's exciting. Good for you. And <laughs> thank you so much. I take action consciously because I'm brave. Um, you are. <laughs> well, we both are, aren't we? So we both have yes. to do it. So it's been a joy. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, and so I can only recommend um, Pamela's work very, very highly because uh, as you can hear, she certainly knows her onions. And when we've met a braveologist, we know we have met someone we, who needs to be reckoned with, wouldn't you say, Pamela? <laughs> Oh, thank you. So good. It's been an absolute joy to spend time with you today. Thanks so much. Good luck with the book, Radical Candor on, um, no, Radical Brit. I've got the wrong book in my head. <laughs> After all, I got so excited reading it. In fact, I was writing a note about, isn't it interesting, coming out of America at the moment, you've got things, you know, two-word things like Radical Candor and your bravery book. I think it's it's quite interesting the way the, the thing is going, conscious bravery, Thank you for waving that in my face. I think there might be a hefty edit just any any minute now. 
<laughs> you said this you. is the point where uh, you have the hook coming and the person gets dragged off stage. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for taking time with us. It's been a pleasure, Russell. Thank you. you take Hi, everybody. I hope you found that episode useful and interesting. Feedback is always welcomed, and if you are in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be amazing. If you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com, then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.